Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Aloha, good morning. Welcome to Island Conversations. We're here on the radio on the Big Island of Hawaii on Sundays on KWXX and on B93B97 and on KPUA 670 AM in Hilo the following Friday. Hawaii County is an island, and trash is always a huge issue. In the past, we have all been encouraged to recycle, and I know many people do faithfully recycle. But the county is drastically changing the recycling program, and today we're going to hear all about that. Bill Kucharski is head of the county's Department of Environmental Management. Good morning. Aloha, Bill. Good morning. And Greg Goodale is head of the Solid Waste Division of that department. Good morning. Aloha, Greg. Good morning, Sherry. I'm glad both of you are here because you both have a long history in garbage and recycling. The main issue is, as of October 16th, Hawaii County has a new recycling policy. So what is the county's new recycling policy? Greg, why don't you take that question? The county actually, uh, just to back up a little bit, the county actually had to make some changes a few months back due to changes in the markets for plastics. So we discontinued acceptance of the number fives and number six plastics, which also allowed us to kind of launch a program where we called it Recycle Right, Recycle Clean. And um, so we really got a lot of word out in the media trying to let people know what the changes were as far as the plastics that we want to accept, but also that the materials that that you did put in our bins needed to be clean. So fast forward to where we are now, our same vendor indicated that their buyers basically no longer could accept uh, not only the number fives and number sixes, but also the number ones and number twos. But to add on to that, they said they couldn't accept paper, the mixed office paper, which includes, you know, like your mailings and and all those types of things, that the only materials that we would be able to accept within our program is the corrugated cardboard and the brown paper bags, so your your shopping bags that you might get from KTA or Target or, or wherever you might go shop. So obviously this is a big change for folks when you look at the types of materials that people are regularly recycling The papers are probably, you know, even your newsprint. So people, you know, for years have probably just been, you know, maybe they only recycle the newsprint. But even now, that's not going to be a material that you're going to be able to put into the mixed bin. Well, you also, though, will continue to take glass, as I understand it. So the glass, what we call the non-high five glass bin, is unchanged. So anything that you would normally put in that bin, you can continue to put in that bin. So your pickle jars, your wine or liquor bottles, any other type of glass container can go into that bin. Now, obviously, we want you to remove the lids from those, but anything you would normally traditionally put in the non-high-five could still go in there. When Now, I hate to say on the mainland, but when I lived in California years ago, we would actually take the labels off of bottles. Do they have to be taken off the bottles or you can leave the labels on? We don't ask people to take the labels off. Some people do on their own. If you want to help, removing the label actually you know, just makes the materials cleaner. 
most of the glass that we end up recycling here on this island ends up going into some type of material. So in a lot of cases, what you might see the glass going into is something like a concrete barricade. We used to use a lot of the glass within even like uh, new construction at some of our uh, transfer stations. We'd mix the glass into the concrete. You know, in some cases that may add a significant additional cost. So we're always looking at different projects or different materials that that glass can go into. And again, still make it usable. We, we want to make sure we're making products that people want to use, but that it doesn't drive the cost up so high that it's not economically feasible to do that kind of thing. So the state of Hawaii does provide a subsidy for that program. So we do get some amount of subsidy from the state for the non-high five glass. When I last spoke with you, Bill Kucharski, you were accompanied by George Hidesco, who's the county's recycling coordinator, who I understand is on vacation. And at that time, we even talked about the fact that China was basically not going to be taking recycling anymore from developed countries. And one of the reasons was, as you sort of point out, Greg, that we were giving them contaminated recycle material. People would leave food in containers or even put other things in there like diapers and such. And in January of 2019, there was a story in the website 538, which is a very credible website, just saying that that was an issue and recycling was not going to be easy and maybe not possible in the future. So this is something that's been coming, but why did Hawaii County make the decision right now that suddenly on October 16th, recycling as we knew it was going to stop? Why Why now? Okay, so our, our contract... Uh, expired. So we so typically when the county does these contracts. Okay, we, when you say the contract, contract with whom? So we have a contract with Business Services Hawaii to take the materials from our two bin program. They have to transport it, they have to process it, they have to find an end market for it. So actually, before they get paid for the material from the county, they have to show us it went to an end market. So that's part of our contract with them is that we want to have verification that the material went to an end market of some sort. So um, at the end, at the end of um, our contract, basically we were going through um, with the contractor to you know go through the renewal process, and essentially they came to us and said, "Look, we're not going to be able to go on with you know." Basically, they were losing too much money on the uh, uh, the items that are in our our program. And, um, you know, it, at first they were basically at a point of saying, we're not going to be able to go on with this at all. But through our discussions with them, we were able to accomplish a couple things. To keep doing the cardboard and the brown paper bags, but also to get some additional time. Because the contract actually ended on October 1st. So that would have given us no time to communicate with the, uh, the public about how these changes were going to come about. So we said we, we really need to be able to have some more time, let people continue to put the materials that they are used to putting into the bins up until the 15th. And they agreed to allowing that additional time. We were asking to go until the end of the month, but you know, again, they have to, you know, they have to weigh their business decisions in terms of, you know, how much money they feel like maybe they'd be losing with taking some of these other materials. So, so 
you know, the fortunate thing is, is we have a good line of communication with these folks and we're able to get, you know, a couple weeks so we can get out in front of the public. And, you know, we appreciate being able to do a show like this so we can, you know, hopefully reach as many people as possible to let them know what these changes are so that they're not affected when they show up. We don't want people coming with several bins and bags full of materials just to find out that they have to end up putting them into the refuse chute. Because, you know, folks will spend a lot of time collecting these materials. People may not feel good about that they're going to end up having to throw some of these things down the refuse chute. But unfortunately, from our end, we don't have any other option for them. You know, we make suggestions and recommendations about other reuse options people could, you know, do through their own backyard composting and the like. But the reality is, from the county standpoint, we just don't have that many options when it comes to these materials. Well, you've answered the question as to why the notice was so short, because I think telling people sort of in a minor way on October 3rd, I actually found out from Rainbow Recycling, which I'd just hired a few weeks before to pick up my recycling because I have so much of it. I take two newspapers a day, but that explains why the notice was so short. So what about other counties in the state? Are they continuing recycling programs? Are we the only ones, or is this universal throughout the state? Um, so the, the other counties within um, the state have cut back significantly. City and county, even on their uh, curbside recycling, they were uh, put in the position they had to discontinue taking some of the different types of plastic. I don't know that they've scaled back um, as to the same level as we, we have on the paper. Um, but, I, but I do know this is affecting everybody. And, you know, really the way in which it affects you probably really depends upon what kind of contract you have. So I'll give you an example. Uh, City of New York, the only reason they haven't been scaling back as significantly um, as some of the other uh, communities, you know, in the state of New York is because they have a long-term fixed contract that specifies what the contractor has to take. But the reality is when that fixed contract runs out, there's going to be changes that are going to come about because the markets just aren't there for those materials and you know the word we're getting and you know any of the the periodicals or blogs or anything that we look at and listen to don't indicate that the markets are going to get any better anytime soon you know with china taking itself primarily out of the uh, the big recycling markets some of the markets have been taken up by Indonesia, Malaysia, Vietnam, India, and the like, you know, primarily Pacific Rim, but even they are getting saturated with these materials. And that's why, in our case, some of the markets our contractor was sending things to just aren't there anymore. And just a brief interruption to mention that earlier this week, I called the city and county of Honolulu, and I also contacted Maui County's Recycling. Marcus Owens with city and county of Honolulu Department of Environmental Management said they have not made any changes to their recycling program, and they do take one and two plastics, newspapers, papers, 
they were sort of surprised to hear what my question was and why I was asking. Maui County also has not yet made any changes, but Maui County acknowledged that they might have to in the future based on what Hawaii County's experience has been. By the way, this is Island Conversations, and I'm Sherry Bracken. Before we go back to our conversation with Bill Kucharski and Greg Goodale of Hawaii County's Department of Environmental Management, let's get a short message from our sponsor, KTA Superstores. At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA. And by the way, I had to edit this conversation for length for radio broadcast, the podcast version at kwxx.com and b97hawaii.com is longer and goes into more detailed discussion of why Hawaii County Department of Environmental Management oftentimes sends out messages that a transfer station is closed after it's already been closed. And they'll explain what they're trying to do to at least notify people in a more timely manner. Let's get back to our discussion. So what about high five? Is the state going to continue doing the high five where we turn in plastic bottles and such? Or is that going to be ending too? Because what you're telling me is, and what I've also read, is there is nobody taking this material and doing anything with it. Greg? The high five program is a state program. The county administers the program for the state. But we keep in very close contact with the folks that we work with within the state of Hawaii on this program. Everything that our conversations um, that we've had doesn't indicate there's any changes expected in the High Five program. And the reason that's remained to be somewhat viable is that we're paying this money up front. So the money that's being paid when you get your beverages goes into this fund so that it's, it's kind of forward-funded. So the money that is available to pay the vendors that have to recycle these materials is paid up front. They know there's money there available to send these materials to market. Yeah, but you're saying there's no market. I mean, so what is happening with the I-5 plastic bottles that we're recycling? Where are they going? Into the garbage or? No, no, no. I mean, the state does the same thing. They say they have to send it to an end market. But But there's no end market from what you're saying. if you pay enough money, you'll be able to find some market. For us, the markets that have traditionally been available to our vets, see, when, when we look at these guys that do this business, it's all about developing the relationships that they have with their end markets, especially when it gets to a tighter and tighter market the way it is now. We've been fortunate that Business Services Hawaii has had really good working relationships with their end markets, but that only goes so far for the amount of money that you have available to pay for these things. So in the state's program, they've had the money available, and this is why they're saying we don't see any changes in the foreseeable future to anything with the, with the high five. How much has Hawaii County been spending, been paying? How much has it been costing us to do recycling? On average, our annual cost for a mixed bin program is about $1.1 million per year. In the future, are you going to continue to have green waste recycling? Green waste, so that's probably, you know, like the light at the end of the tunnel, as it were. 
So green waste and composting for the county is one of those things we look toward as we can complete our compost facility in the coming year. Then we will have a place that we would be able to take some of the paper that's generated on the island. So what we're hopeful for is that maybe what we would be able to do is introduce something like, say, newsprint back into the collection bins. And then that newsprint could be introduced in... One of the reasons why we chose the technology we did for the compost facility was because it would be able to accept things like food waste, contaminated paper, paper in general within the system. But again, you're going to max out the system at some point. So you got to be careful when you're composting that you're not getting too much paper. You know, the mix of the materials has to be just right to make compost the way it's supposed to be made. Okay, but the answer is, yes, we can continue to take green waste. Green waste isn't going to change. We're actually looking at different ways that we can maybe incorporate green waste collection at some of our stations that don't have green waste now. We want to be able to increase the amount of green waste that we're collecting countywide. Bill? Green waste is an example of the county taking care of the problems that it has themselves. We are not dependent in the green waste on a foreign market. We're not shipping the green waste 3,000 miles to be dealt with. That is the lesson in the path forward when we talk about now, here's all the bad news. We can't recycle these things, but what are we going to do? That is the real issue that has come to fore with this decision not to accept plastics or these other materials. And so the county of Hawaii and the people have to be able to sit down and say, now what can we do? We want to be sustainable. Shipping anything 3,000 miles away is not sustainable, whether it goes east or west. It really doesn't matter. So we import all of this material. large majority of the waste that goes into the landfill has been imported into the state. Just like we have green waste, that we have this material, what are we going to do with it? We shouldn't bury it. And we make it into a usable product. That is the real position we're in now in dealing with all of these other recyclable materials. What do we do with the plastics? What do we do with the paper? What are we going to do? How are we... Uh, as an entity going to deal with this issue. And for me, that is the big question that requires an answer in the near future. Well, you know, I know that Councilmember Tim Richards introduced, I think it was called Bill 301, but the whole point of that was to ask you guys to come up with your creative best ideas to deal with garbage, trash, what we aren't going to be recycling, and even with the methane gas that's being generated by the landfill, because that's a normal byproduct of all landfills. So, Bill Kucharski, have you guys come up with anything at this point that's particularly novel? I mean, we're not the first ones to have this problem, so you shouldn't have to reinvent a wheel. Correct. The resolution to take a look at alternatives is a really positive thing and something that we have to do. I've heard there was a lot of discussion about ensuring that incineration was not part of any review. But if you talk about waste to energy, there are many other ways to derive energy from a waste product other than incineration. They need to be examined. 
I think that was Tim's whole point. He wants every possibility to be on the table, not to foreclose you guys. And, you know, as you, Bill, and I have talked in the past, on Oahu, they have the H-Power plant, which burns all of the trash from Oahu, and they do produce energy. And you're not talking about a big black smokestack. You're talking about something that is environmentally friendly. And I was wondering months and months ago why we didn't ship some of our trash to Oahu for that. And you had an answer. But if you're being given the green light to come up with creative ideas, I can't wait to hear them once you do that. And I think for the short term, that may be a resolution. My only issue with that is the county derives no benefit from that. Other than not filling up our landfill endlessly. But if we took care of our waste then we might be able to drive. We're talking about the hydrogen production from the methane, and methane is, if you do a gasification system, that's sort of what you get. You use that to create electricity to crack water. Then you have a very clean, mobile fuel. That is an endpoint that I am happy to support and look forward to finding ways that we can possibly get to that endpoint without breaking everybody's bank. But environmentally, I don't see many better options. Well, putting methane gas into the atmosphere, it's good if we can capture it. My folks used to live in Palos Verdes, California. They did create energy from the methane gas from their landfill, and then they put baseball fields over the top of it. It was all green grass. And that was old technology. And, you know, that plant, I believe, has since closed. But it's, again, not like we would have to create the wheel on this. Now, Bill, you have told me in the past, in fact, this past January, you said the Pu'uanahulu landfill, which is our island's only landfill, had between 50 and 150 years left, depending on how we handled things. Have you been able to figure out how this material that was formerly being recycled, how that is going to affect our landfills and our transfer stations? Greg? When we look at the overall tonnage that's been coming in as part of the recycling program, the tonnage that we're going to be looking at coming into the landfill now that it you know doesn't have a recycling market isn't going to overwhelm the landfill or the transfer stations. Yeah, it's going to add additional burden to the landfill airspace, but it's not going to be something where all of a sudden we you know, lose years of airspace. It's all manageable. So it's, on the one hand, you know, and this is something that we say often, is that just because we have a lot of airspace doesn't mean we want to squander it. Sometimes we look at things and we can say, well, we can landfill that cheaper than we can do that. But we still have to look at the alternatives. We have to be able to weigh out what all these options are. Yes, in certain cases, these recycling programs may cost more than what it would cost us to put it into the landfill. But we still look at these things and we try and do uh, what we believe is you know, financially, but also more so environmentally, the right thing to do. So when something like this happens, because it wasn't by our choice, we didn't have a choice one way or the other. We were kind of forced into this situation where all of a sudden, The place you thought you had to go with with these materials is no longer there. So now we're literally limited to the one option, which is the landfill. So going back to what Bill said earlier, it puts us into a position we have to start rethinking how we do some of these things. But we have to be responsible financially, and we don't have an unlimited budget. We have to be able to do things like repair our facilities as well as just keep them operating. So those are all things that come into play 
you know, something that was said earlier about methane that I just kind of want to talk about is that the county does have a system right now that captures that methane. So I just don't want anybody thinking that the methane coming out of the West Hawaii landfill is just going out into the atmosphere. We do have a system that captures that methane. Right now, there's only the amount that, you know, it comes in that keeps us in compliance with the uh, EPA uh, regulations. So it's not enough to actually power a, a generator or, or a energy recovery system. But that's going to change over time. As time goes by and we get more and more methane coming out of that system, there will be eventually a point at which it's a commercially viable system. But right now, the good news is it's doing what it's supposed to do, which is capturing the methane and not creating a greenhouse gas that anybody has to worry about just kind of uncontrolled going into the atmosphere. You mentioned the methane gas that's being captured is following EPA regulations. As I was researching for this interview today, I found an article that explained that part of the Trump administration's plan is to do away with the current EPA rules that require capture of methane gas. If the APA does not require you to do it, will Hawaii County, just out of an abundance of trying to do a good thing for the universe, would you continue to capture methane? I, I would say, I mean, you know, the, the, the county is going to continue to operate the system it has in place. Obviously, you know, as time goes on, um, you know, the, the state of Hawaii also has a say in, in those regulations. So even though the feds may say they made a change, the state of Hawaii may continue to uh, keep those rules in place. So, um, and, and in all likelihood, I believe that the state probably would do, but I, you know, I can't speak for them. But, you know, from our end, because we've already got the infrastructure built in, I, I find it hard to believe that we would just, you know, do away with something that's effectively controlling that landfill gas now. Bill? Just because something is not mandated does not mean it's something you won't do. We're looking at that gas that we are producing and we're going to be putting in another cell system, which means we're going to expand the amount of captured gas. And that's one of the things that we're talking to research and development about is utilizing that gas to be the front end and the power source for the hydrogen generation for the hydrogen buses. That is what we would do so long as that gas is available, try and make a positive use out of this. Good. Well, I'm really glad to hear that. You know, I looked at what you've said. It won't increase the use of the landfill that much, you think. But on an emotional basis, those of us who feel like we've really tried to do good things, recycling, it's an emotional change for us. The other thing is, me personally, like I said, I take two newspapers, you know, putting the newspapers, putting the cans, the bottles, whatever in the trash. I mean, for my personal garbage, it's going to increase it from one bag a week to two bags a week. What's the shock? I have called some of the local trash haulers, and I've also talked to local recycling companies like Rainbow Recycling, and they're mostly sort of still also in a state of shock. You know, it's going to change the way their business operates and maybe even put some of them out of business. So mm -hmm. sort of a separate topic, but sort of on the same topic. We frequently are getting press releases that there is a closure of a landfill or a closure of a green waste facility because of, quote, personnel shortages. How often so far in 2019 have we closed our facilities because people, I'm guessing, 
just aren't showing up for work. I mean, this is always on a basis of it's happening today. It's never on a basis of next week, Tuesday, it's going to be closed because we know we're not going to have enough people. But how often is this happening? Well, since January of January 2019, uh, we've had 79 individual transfer station closures. I would like to put that in perspective, though. Yeah, I think you should, because I'm figuring out, my gosh, we're losing a lot of time. We have 22 transfer stations that operate either seven days a week, three days a week, or uh, one day a week. And if you take the number of transfer station days in this time period, it's a little over 4,000 transfer station days. In other words, a transfer station and a day, they're open. And of that 4,000, it's been closed, as we said, about 79. That's about 2%. Now, that does not help. I mean, you can prove anything with numbers. I was just thinking that, but I'm impressed that you did that. And I understand for those people that had their transfer station closed that this is meaningless. But I do want to say in defense of the department that mostly all the transfer stations are open. When we do run into a problem, we run into a problem. We can't fabricate people, and if we don't have them, we need to close. It's a requirement of our permits. So my question is, why are people just not showing up for work? I look at garbage as a necessity, just like I look at electricity and phone service as a necessity. And I don't think we would stand for Helco saying, well, we're not going to have any electricity today in downtown Hilo because people didn't show up for work. So why is this happening for Hawaii County Department of Environmental Management? There's no uh, easy answer to this. We operate under negotiated contracts, and these contracts have certain rights. We have certain amount of sick time and vacation time that go to our employees. And we don't have a right to say, even though you have the time and you ask for the time or you're sick, that you need to commit. There's no other way we can do it. It just happens. If we had twice as many people and the people called in sick, we'd have the same problem. Our workers, they work very hard and no way wanted to start to state that they're not doing their job. They are. 98% of the time we have people in, they're working, they, they work very hard. If people are not feeling well and don't come in, then they're not feeling well and don't come in. I don't disagree that people should stay home when they're sick. If their vacations are scheduled, that's something you can sort of know about and control. You know, most of the comments I get are from folks who are taking green waste. And a perfect example is the week of September 30th, the green waste at Kealakehe was closed apparently. I don't take my own green waste, so I don't know. But apparently it was closed on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And on Thursday morning, somebody mentioned to me that they were there at 8 o'clock. The bin was completely empty. There were six or seven people in line. And the supervisor said, sorry, you can't dump it because we don't have enough people. And my friend, who happens to be an 86-year-old Japanese woman, said, I am sitting here. I can see the bin. It's empty. You can stop people after we are here and it fills up. So why Greg Goodell or Bill? Why does that happen? If the bin is empty, the folks are there at 8 o'clock like they are supposed to be because it's open then. Why would you stop people from putting their green waste into a bin that's available? Well, the first thing I want to say is I know only what you're telling me right now, so I can't 
verify one way or the other. You can't verify that, that the that, the greenways were closed on Monday, Tuesday, and or, Thursday. Well, I, I could verify that the the station was closed, but the, whether or not it was empty. Full oh, my eighty six year old Japanese lady well, friend is very very truthful. I and I believe you, but at the same time, um, we end up with a lot of different operational issues that may cause us to not allow someone, which may mean that we didn't have a driver that could drive the the bin. So oftentimes, you know, rather than fill that bin up, not knowing when you're going to uh, be able to haul it, um, you're going to close it from the beginning of the day because you know you don't have the staff to to do the work. You mean you wouldn't want a bin sitting there full but not driven? That doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry, Greg. Well, it's it just not, not going to be able to be taken away uh, in a timely fashion. So if we don't know that we're going to have a driver there, you're not just going to fill up one bin and then leave it there the whole day uh, and not empty. You're, you're going to have to take it up to the landfill. It actually starts to become even like a fire danger to have that thing sitting there all day long um, full of, of dry green waste and then not remove it. We've ended up with fires within our refuse containers, within our green waste containers for that reason because they weren't able to be hauled on a timely basis. So, you know, if we don't know we have the manpower to haul the container, oftentimes they're not going to let people start putting materials in the container to begin with. Well, the fire answer was a good answer, so I'm glad you came up with that, because I just couldn't imagine why you'd let something sit there empty. Thank you. So we're pretty much at the end of our time together. I'd like to get any final thoughts either one of you have about these issues or other issues that we should be considering now or for the future, because... Definitely, Bill, we're going to have you back because we still haven't talked about wastewater for a long time. And I know that's high on your list. But Greg Goodale, before we say aloha, your final comments. Just to chime in on what Bill said earlier, when we look at the number of stations that have actually been closed, that number that he gave includes partial closures. So that may not have meant the full station was closed. So it might have meant only the green waste was closed because when we look at these issues like this, we prioritize it as to the refuse is the highest priority. We want to make sure that people know that they're going to be able to dump their refuse. So if anything's going to get closed, say at Kailua Station, it's going to be the green waste first because we're going to always concentrate on being able to give people the ability to throw their refuse. So again, you know, that, that number takes into consideration the partial closures. The way I find out about things is a press release will come out hours later saying, by the way, today it's closed. But you mentioned that you're actually going to hook yourself up to the civil defense system to announce closures immediately to people who sign up for the new civil defense Everbridge system. Is that true? No, I'm glad you brought that up because we'll be piggybacking on with the county's system. It's a, it's a new vendor and we're going to be putting out our own advertising, letting people know that they can sign up for that system so that they don't have to drive to a station. It's still going to be aggravating to find out you're not going to be able to take care of your green waste or your refuse on any given day. But at least we'll be able to hopefully avoid having people actually drive all the way down to a station and then turn around not getting the service they were expecting. So we will be coming out. We'll be launching that. And we're actually really looking forward to being able to use this type of technology for our facilities. That'll be good if people can find out before they make that drive. Bill Kucharski, in closing, what would you like to say? I would like to say that I do feel for the people that are in the more remote areas that have 
only one place to take their waste. It's not the only place, but it's the only convenient place. We need to do a, a much better job on communicating the problem. And the new system that we're looking at with the text messages in this day and age is something that people can see. They will be able to be notified, and we will know at 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning when a system is going to be open or closed. So we do need to do a better job in communicating that. It's not going to make the problem go away, but knowing beforehand that you can't go is something that we owe the people. Very good. Thank you so much for being with us, Bill Kucharski, Head of Department of Environmental Management, and Greg Goodale, Head of the Solid Waste Division. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.